Welcome to Hacked in the Dark, a podcast featuring Forge in the Dark games and their designers. I'm Justin. And I'm Mark. And we'll be your host for today's episode, Crafting Lore with Nichelle. Today we sit down with our guest, Nichelle, to talk about the Blades in the Dark Discord community and lore in Forge of the Dark games. Welcome, Nichelle. Hello. Nichelle, you are a mod on the Discord community, which uh, is where this podcast originates. Do you want to tell us a little about the Discord and about yourself? Yes, absolutely. So the Blades and the Discard. <laughs> <laughs> Blades and the Discord. That's what it stands for. Right? Yeah, the Blades in the Dark Discord. The yeah. Blades in the Dark Discord. I'm not exactly sure of the exact start date, but I popped on very quickly after it was started and just kind of found the community as a whole and have been there ever since. And now I'm kind of in charge of keeping people going with certain creative or community aspects. And a little bit about myself. I am Nichelle, otherwise known as She Who Ships in Darkness on the Discord server. Mm. And I am a GM content creator. Just overall nice person to just visit or bounce ideas back and forth off of in the channels. I was going to say, you've been there as long as I have, and I've been there pretty much since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of like the the fairy godmother of the whole server in a way. <laughs> For some of us who've been there since the beginning, we're like, oh, she who ships. Oh, wait for her to speak. She <laughs> brings the knowledge. And, you know, it's it's a uh, very ritualistic. And <laughs> yes. Or the sass. I think I think actually there's been a cult or two started accidentally. Hmm. It sounds like a cult, like a cult uh, name or whatever, you know, something pulled from lore. <laughs> Absolutely. If not, there should definitely be something in one of the upcoming charity zines about that. So someone should get on that. Yeah. Oh, that is a, a great new faction idea. arrives on the scene of Duskfall's mean streets. A forgotten <laughs> god or goddess. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny because also like there became a new nickname and a role on the channel. Um, Whale Mom that was started the <sighs> other morning. <laughs> right. Yes, I've actually been really enjoying using the whale emoji a lot to express my approval. It's the closest thing to a Leviathan that I could find. And I haven't, I might just need to have one commissioned, a Leviathan emote, and just like have it as my personal stamp of approval on many, many things in the server. Oh, that's what it was. I thought it was just really happy. It is. It's like a happy little <laughs> Leviathan, but like it was a whale yeah, it's something I've brought up many times. And I'm like, we need a Leviathan emote. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We just stick with the whale. I love it. But we're not here just to talk about in-jokes on the Discord server. We're also here to <laughs> talk about why it's a cool community and about your own role in uh, encouraging creativity in the space. Um, one thing I've appreciated whenever I first arrived on the scene were the weekly workshops, which you often are the one to, to create prompts for. Do you want to talk a little bit about that project? Yeah, so we started the weekly workshop in 2019 as just a thing for sometimes there would just be conversations that would go on in the world building or general chat. And you want to like keep discussing it. But of course, general, you know, you have people coming in and out and whatnot. So we wanted to make a designated channel for it and just have a rotating topic where we can go as deep or as shallow as we want 
on a particular topic. And it's been quite active. Some of the the best rituals or even some lore aspects have come from weekly workshop or just people's different ideas on what does spirit warden mask look like? How does it actually work? What does it look like to other people attuning to it? That sort of thing. I personally love the fact that any of that stuff can really easily in blades like become the impetus for a story arc or a cool score or even just something like a character turn. It's a game that really makes that kind of thing possible. Or even if you just have heard about it or read it on the Discord, it might show up in one of your games. Oh, yeah, it's really great. I had somebody who their mask looked normal mm-hmm. or just looked like a facial mask. But in the ghost field, when they were attuning or using it during a ritual, that's when it would almost come alive and move. Like, I believe it was like, winged feathers or something that would constantly move and flow with the person's eyes. It it was like really interesting aspect I've I've never seen before described. What's also cool is uh, how we get some living campaign elements too out of these discussions. You know, one person might describe their character's mask and that might show up in someone's game as a spirit warden or as a, just a, you know, another rival (laughs) Mm -hmm. out there in the underworld and stuff i tend to do that where i'm like "Ooh, that sounds like a good protagonist that could be alongside like vying for some other thing in a way now becoming an antagonist in my story i really enjoy those uh those kind of moments where we get to see a peek into others games and we can incorporate those elements in our own absolutely do you think there's a lot of that going on with factions too as well in the discord Factions, I have brought in factions a few times to Weekly Workshop. And then there's also been some discussions like in um, world building specifically. And it's been really interesting to see how like different people perceive different factions just based on the little short synopsis from the book. And they just create this whole entire story and back lore and like everything for it. It's, It's pretty cool to see. There is a special unit of spirit wardens that was actually created, I believe, in world building called the Blood Crows or the Blood Wardens, which were like the creme of the creme spirit wardens for the emperor himself. So it was essentially adding a little bit more of a tier level, a little bit more of a threat level to particular interactions or helping level the playing field between a very high tiered and powerful crew to when they're interacting with supernatural aspects in the city. Mm, the master NPCs among the spirit wardens. Yes. Yeah. They like possess you and like take control of your items and things. All the badness. When you need the big agents or, or big pinnacle moments, you can also look to the discord as well to like talk about how to capstone a campaign that you're like uncertain about. I think it's been a good resource for that as well. Or at least you've been, you know, I've, I've gotten advice from you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's been a few times I've, I've given advice. It's kind of interesting because normally I'll, I'll try to hop in every now and then to help give a piece of advice. But then again, we also have really wonderful members like um, Sully and a few others who will take the time to walk through each of the steps and things with that particular person if they're having difficulties, which is really nice. It's a really welcoming community where we try to help each other have the best game. I really appreciate the community of cross-pollination. Even on the Hack channel, 
where a lot of us maybe don't even spend a lot of time in the other channels, a big reason to join the hack channel, if you're a Forge in the Dark designer, or even if you're just hacking the game in some way, is to kind of just see the discussions happening and let those ideas inform your own your own changes that you make. And I really appreciate you creating an environment where that can happen. And it's not some kind of like jealousy thing where we're guarding all our you know unique knowledge, our our information, all our creative ideas and and instead it's it's about sharing those things and the processes we go through to refine them. Yeah, it's a wonderful sounding board, I think. So it's like if you're trying, you're struggling with a particular reskins special ability for a game and you're like, man, I just don't know what to do about this. I'm kind of struggling with this one particular aspect, being able to pop into the hack channels and discuss it and have multiple people's feedback as well as their experience going into their answers really, really helps, I think in the creating the community that we've created. I was actually wondering if you could talk a bit about the numbers uh, in the community. So I think we're at over 2,000 active members. That, wow. Oh, nope. <laughs> that was more than I expected. Nope. 3,359 <laughs> members in the Blades Discord. I will say to my knowledge, we had more than that before, but they weren't all as uh, active, I think, as this this uh, particular group is if you think about people that are using discord versus who were using google plus to chat i mean the number is probably astronomically higher for discord i think there was 20 or 40,000 members in the google plus community and then when that went ahead and was kind of cataloged from google right i know that harper and sean nittner went ahead and created the forms as well as the archive a little bit to go ahead and try to keep some of that knowledge that was in the google plus and I know that most people have migrated from either the forms or the Discord, but I believe that the Discord is the most active between Discord, Reddit, as well as the forms. Yeah, and I see a thousand plus are online right now. So it's like, I don't think that we had those sort of numbers before. I think the community has definitely grown in terms of active discussing members. I think in the last year and a half, it's definitely grown quite significantly, especially during these unsure times of 2020. We had a very big influx of members when this all went down, sort of the beginning of the year. Absolutely. To expand and nudge the conversation towards our topic today, Michelle, you mentioned you, you GM a lot of Blades. Yes. Uh, would, you, would, you, would you characterize it that way? Would you say you GM a lot of Blades in the Dark? I would say that I have uh, been running two games consistently a week, usually wow. since I started yeah. the system, as well as especially during the first couple of months of COVID and most people mm -hmm. being on lockdown, I did run along with many other GMs, a bunch of one shots or mini campaigns to help people cope with the or adjust to the new times of yeah. being at home. Yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> but uh, I ask you because I kind of am today, whether you feel like you are or not, I'm considering you an authority on Blades in the Dark lore. Oh, wow. And I'm wondering what you feel the role of, of Blades in the Dark lore is in the game and, and how it like appeals to, to players like yourself. Oh, that is a very good question. 
I would say that that answer is twofold. Firstly, I do think that lore does impact a table. And then again, it really depends on how much you let it impact or how much your table is willing to engage that lore. My first long-term campaign, I went ahead and did the Uduwasha aspect of this special edition. And I created all this lore and I was like writing weekly things. I kept everything categorized in a world anvil and my players, bless them, didn't want to interact with it or anything. <laughs> they were pretty much only focused on one thing and they went ahead and did that very, very well. However, my current campaign, which is called the Hussies of Duskfall, pretty much my table wanted to play Desperate Housewives of Duskfall. Ooh. So <laughs> I have five players and a co-GM. And what we do is there's a lot more faction interaction. I actually put back the time so the Unity War is current. So having the war impact entanglements or consequences in the game such as, hey, you can't gain access to that item because, you know, it's really scarce or you have to pay a little extra for it because you have to buy it technically on the black market if you want to consider yourself still affluent in these dark times of the war. And it really depends on, on your table and how you take the characters and their items and their beliefs and drives as well as their vices and contacts, pretty much finding a good balance between their buttons and then interacting that into your lore, I find really makes it to where the lore is more impactful at a table. My mind is just spinning about the Unity War and the Desperate Housewives at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm thinking, you know, Mark, actually, could you jot down for me to write down a scenario for The Bachelor Duskfall and <laughs> Real World yeah. Duskfall? Yeah. Real world okay. dust ball, yes. Bachelor, <laughs> Bachelor maybe. <laughs> I suppose that's a very Americanized version of this trope. What are some of the more European ones that we could do? Oh, goodness gracious. For the European fans? I don't know what a European... I want Kitchen Nightmares dust ball. Oh, there we are. <laughs> the Great Bake Off. Oh, yes. It'll be mushroom competitions and... That would be the very nicest game though because <laughs> that show is just so nice it wouldn't be much backstabbing going on in <laughs> in the great dustfall bake-off i don't think the american series had more of that i think cutthroat kitchen would be so good in dustfall though if you think about it it's kind of like the i guess it is the american version wow we're a lot more violent in america regarding our <laughs> shows um <laughs> yeah yeah Speaking of that, though, it reminds me of, you know, speaking of lore and, and Dustfall, one of the things that I believe you're preparing for the charity zine or, or that was prepared by the community was a pub menu for Dustfall. Do you want to talk about that and how it like exemplifies what we're talking about with, with providing texture to the world? <laughs> Absolutely. OK, so there was a conversation that happened in 2018 in the world building chat on different drinks and what you would actually order in a pub. And so we're like, well, why don't we go ahead and just like flesh out these drinks? And we ended up with an entire menu as well as some food staples that ended up going into a handout that is going to be provided in the community 
zine. And yeah, some of the drinks are just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I recall they they all seemed like actual recipes as well, not just like <laughs> mushroom wine or whatever it is that's in the book. Yeah, not just a name. <laughs> it's got it's got a yeah. lore to it. And like where you're going to uh-huh. source the ingredients. We also created GM aspects. So if somebody were to order that drink and then drink it, a certain thing would happen. So we built in consequences. So like one of them is called the electroplasmic eel. Smoky, meaty, thick and acidic with a sour aftertaste. Tinkles a bit as it goes down and chills your windpipes. <laughs> Another one here is the... Aruvian frost, which is a mixed with a drop of Aruvian spider venom. It will send shivers down your spine. Literally. <laughs> this is a very fancy pub. Yes. And then we also have like your beer section, which we have black veil ale, hazy caramel body, mildly bitter with a bready aftertaste. Goes well with the worm paste. Oh, okay. That's a little more. That lower shelf. Yeah, and I I just, one of these times, I am, it's kind of on my bucket list, is to take this list into a mixologist at a bar and be like, okay, based on what you read here, make me a drink. And just see what they come up with. I think that would be really fun. There's a few places like that in Seattle where you could absolutely do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I was living in New York at the time, and I unfortunately didn't find somebody who would take me up on my offer. But maybe I need to go to the Pacific Coast. Yeah, I'll show you where some speakeasies are. Awesome. Speaking of which, Nichelle, that kind of a thing where you could provide this as a handout to really add a lot of fun into your session of Blades in the Dark. I know I actually, whenever I ran Blades in the Dark, we operated out of a pub, our crew did, so it would have been amazing just to have a living menu <laughs> to, <laughs> to see what it is we're ordering each day, what it is we're eating each day for lunch or, or supper. But Blades has its own unique texture, its own lore. Many people have described it as a game that has a lo- just the right amount of lore, which is to say it provides you with details about the, the city and the world, but not too much. How do you feel about that? And where does your sweet spot lie in terms of lore? Because you obviously love it. But did you want more? Like, if Blades had just provided you with like an encyclopedia, would that be the kind of thing you would just eat up? Or do you like it as it is? Or would you have liked less even, right? Yeah. Mm, I think personally... I like the structure given in the book. I have read this book so many times. I actually need to get my book rebound. The wonderful thing about the system, and this is something I will always, always say, is it gives you enough structure or scaffolding to where you can make literally anything you want. Yet it's so simplistic, you can very simply ignore one aspect or build upon another. And that's the wonderful thing about the lore. I think it gives the right amount. I do wish that some other aspects of the system were fleshed out, like a little bit more of the Dagger Isles, Severus, Scovland, Aruvia. Aruvia kind of gave me a little bit of a taste, but honestly, not as much as I would have wanted. However, 
there has been several community created things that have sort of fleshed those aspects out. And I I feel I feel it gives you and your table the freedom to be able to create whatever you want instead of being defined by a particular shape or style. And I think that's one thing that makes me fall like in love with the system even more than I already am. Do you think that the Uduasha add-on did enough as far as adding additional detail for a setting, or do you think it should have done more? You know, like if you'd have got that same treatment for the other various world regions, would you have been happy with that? I would say so. I think the thing about Uduasha that I would have really loved to see is a little bit more of the lore. It gave you some factions. It described the city a little bit, but it didn't paint the vivid exotic nature that you do expect that's painted elsewhere in the core book right it sort of felt like another city that was civilized Mm-hmm. so like one lore piece that i made for my game to kind of flesh that lore out was the puadas and you can find this in the blades discord under the creative channel places and things and it's essentially a creature that recognizes patterns and abilities to follow certain currents in the ghost field, no matter how many times that they've actually traveled it or not. And so I kind of wrote a little thing. Puwadas are raised from birth to recognize patterns, which give them an uncanny ability to home in on a pattern sheet and follow routes even decades later after only traveling them once. Factions and businesses use them as mail delivery service. A package or documents are placed in the carrying pouches. Then a pattern sheet is held up near the front, and it is remembered where it last saw, and starts off on its journey. Small patterned flags hang from the majority of buildings, with over several thousand being registered, and remember, for Puwada never forget. They are the automated mail and delivery service used in Aruvia and can travel within the Deathlands with relative ease. I like that. Almost like a living ghost echo. Yeah. <laughs> like carrying out what other people have done. <laughs> so it, it gives a little bit of a different flavor because in Duskfall, how do people do mail service? Mm, possibly hollows, maybe a hall carriage or something carrying letters. Whereas... Adding that little piece of lore to Aruvia just adds a particular sense of differentness to it, even though it is something you normally expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the ways that we can play with this as well is to talk about, you know, how to structure the upper level governments and things. So I think it's fun to say that those four princes or whatever of Aruvia, excuse me, uh, Oduasha, that they have some tribal aspect and that maybe Aruvia is a different take on that right and that's how you can also tell that you're in a different place versus the emperor you know in Akros. Mm-hmm. yeah i love that you mentioned uduasha because one of the things i'm love i'm really enjoying seeing with some of the hacks and the playbooks and stuff that are coming out recently for unusual suspects jam and for the charity zine and otherwise is people fleshing out those different parts of the world i know a friend of mine another a fellow designer Pemu, aka the Dovetailer on Twitter, is working right now on a Dagger Isles inspired setting that you could potentially use to run a game set 
in that region of the world. And I was talking with a talented young <laughs> individual and new member of the Discord community the other day who is working on a set of Stoveland themed playbooks, similar mm. to the Eruvian playbooks that came after the Kickstarter. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really fun to see that and then also see how they complement each other as well and how they how different people in the community even when creating their particular asset or fiction or lore will sometimes make sure to or even collaborate or say you know what I want this to complement this other person's creation and it's really wonderful when you get to see that and then also play upon each of the different aspects and lore pieces as people create them yeah, I think that the way that Blades leaves that open for us to explore is actually particularly exciting. I wouldn't have wanted more, like more specificity, mm -hmm. personally. I, I enjoy the, the breadth of what we can get. Um, but I do think there are limits, right? Like um, you were saying, you can help do almost anything. Uh, I think a spaceship game might be a little tough, but you could make it work, right? It'd be a little tough. But, you know, we could flavor it, demon magic, whatever, you know, get you to the stars. That could be fun, but I think in a lot of ways, Blades kind of cordones off parts of fiction that were, are very fittingly flavorful for the setting, like this Victorian-esque, haunted, spooky crockpot, if you will, of, of <laughs> gangers and, you know, fireworks and you just name it, right? There's like, seems like there's almost everything there, but then we give it very uh, thoughtful limits that placed on us by, by John, I think, you know, in just the setting assumptions. And I think that that speaks a lot towards what I love about this. Mark, I just want to correct you. I, I think it's much more appropriate to compare Dustfall to a pressure cooker <laughs> and not a crock pot. Not a licensed product. No, uh, not that one. Uh, but a similar commercial product. But yeah, what do you have to say about that? Do you think that, uh, that, that it's as wide open as we want it to be? I think it is. You know, I think it's open in the right ways. Oh, absolutely. I ran a one-shot during the COVID one shots and it was, I put them in a giant room with a bunch of sarcophagi that were in it and they were each trapped in it and they were a cult. And the only person that was not in a sarcophagus was their little cohort NPC who had no idea why he was even here. And then they had to try, but there was clocks and everything ticking and a fifth sarcophagus that was going to start opening. And essentially, by the end, they actually ended up releasing the Leviathan and being accepted into its heart and soul and went abroad in the stars of the shattered sky. It was like, you don't even expect that going into the setting, but you totally can do it. And I do think that that's a wonderful aspect of you can flavor things and paint it with that same brush. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same canvas. Nichelle, if we're going to extrapolate this out to other Forge in the Dark games, you are very familiar with Blades, clearly. Yes. And now you're starting to dabble into other folks' games, I believe. Have you, have you run many? I personally have not. There was a Scum and Villain that I did once. But my regular group wasn't necessarily interested in doing that on a regular basis. I recently uh, was on the stream with 
Ian with his death wish, mm -hmm. along with David from Virgins and Ray as well as part of the cast and the wonderful production crew there. But I am going to go ahead and be running the upcoming forged item, Fistful of Darkness by Monkey Echo. Yeah. 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 That's in a fun genre that's maybe adjacent to the, to the standard setting, but very different, really. Uh, that's going to be exciting to see. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to work on my accents, though I'm not very good at them. So I can try to flesh them out. <laughs> Is it the Victorian era stuff that you're attracted to, whether it's like Wild West or, or like British, you know, culture kind of stuff? Or I would have to say so. One thing I grew up with was Sherlock Holmes mm -hmm. and reading that. But, you know, I just I think steampunk and just that whole sort of genre post-apocalyptic is just it's just fun. It gives a slightly different flavor and a slightly different twist than what you normally expect. And I think that's what's so enjoyable about it. Whenever you see us talking about various hacks in the discord, what really like gets your attention in regards to a new hack as far as you wanting to investigate it or maybe run it? Is it the lore of or like the concept of the game? Mm, good question. Is it cool rules or or play styles? I think it really depends on the particular one. Ian's death wish, the ecology of it all, and how the ecology and the lore that Ian wrote directly impacted how characters would go ahead and approach a particular situation or environment. And that is what I absolutely love. And that's probably based on my bachelor's in natural science and mathematics is like, I love science. I love when you can take something from the real world, twist it ever so slightly and flavor it in context of a game and then be able to run with it. And I think that that's what really drew me to that. Fistful of Darkness is really fun. It's like what I would expect a little bit of Severus to be almost reading through it. And that's just kind of something that's been very enjoyable. But also some of the other hacks that are coming on or the playbooks. Sometimes it's how you particularly play those or maybe it's the items. I think it really kind of depends on the individual one. But there are some really cool stuff coming down the pike. I'm so excited to be able to play them. Are you working on any yourself? I am. I am working on one called the Essence Jumper. Name possibly could be changed. I haven't quite decided yet, but it is essentially somebody who is kind of a Matrix Shadowrun-esque type of playbook where you run around on the surges of electroplasm inside the city of Duskfall and manipulate and mess with machines, which I think is a really cool, fun aspect that some tables don't really dive into. So it can definitely bring out that particular aspect of the lore for that particular table, as well as um, working on a few other personal projects for the Void Sea and things or possible hack. I have been adding some mechanics to a few things, um, but that's, that's still to come. That still is a ways to go. Oh, we don't get an announcement yet? Oh. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you the name, Mark. It's called the Voidal Surfer. Oh. It's very much like a... There's a little bit of a dungeon crawl aspect 
and hordes of horrors, and you have to try to make it out alive to battle the ivory leviathan. It's going to be fun. Ooh, I'm excited. Mark, you know when you said there are no spaceships and blades? Well, (laughs) (laughs) got something for you here. Yeah, well, plus now I can ride the lightning and uh, go online in Dustfall, so that's cool. Is there is there the online modem noise? Is there an equivalent? <laughs> right, the the fifty six k bot attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it take it takes you uh, a sh- a long term project to go ahead and dial up. Uh, no, I I don't think I'm going to yeah. go ahead and add that to it. That would be quite funny though, as a consequence from a GM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's there's some fun stuff coming, and I know that a lot of different people are making different things. And there's one call. Um, there was one that was posted yesterday, actually, in the chat for the the clown playbook, which was quite hilarious. There's other ones. A shockingly good playbook. I know. And then there's ones like the welded and the medium, and just oh, guys. If you're listening and you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. It's really, really great. I do really like how each one adds to the lore itself. Like if you choose one of those playbooks, you are kind of potentially adding a new thing to the world of Blades that maybe didn't exist before. Whether it's if you if you choose some of like the the 50s monster inspired playbooks that are coming out for for the game or if you choose ones that are are more like you said the welded which adds stuff that for like spark craft cybernetics or whatever which mm-hmm. might go very well alongside your own hacker character you're kind of adding new flavor to the game that, that didn't exist before absolutely and, and i think that's the wonderful thing of why the community even four plus years down the road from when it was initially kickstarted in 2015 is that people are still adding to it. People are still, it's evolving. It's, it's fluid, it's moving. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I think John made it quite enjoyable for us to expand this world. That's one of the things that I love a lot about the writing in Blades in the Dark is that while very poetic in its delivery, it also manages to be quite inspiring and wide open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. And that way it's given uh, me a lot of, inspiration fuel or gamer fuel i guess you might call it (laughs) to uh, create setting diversions that's been one of my kind of favorite things about uh, blades is to create like a my own pocket universe where there's something special true here like you were saying about a particular type of ghost practice i have like certain people of our back you know uh, rorik's ghost is still around and is being pursued for supernatural activities or maybe it's another angle that you know, the stuff like that, uh, it gets me really juiced up. So I'm excited to see how your playbooks might play along with those little storylines I have going. Yeah, for sure. It's it's something that I, I want to play test and be able to throw into my own tables. But also, I want to see what other people create off of it. Right. That's the that's the true enjoyment, I think, for us Chris creators is to see how somebody else takes it and allows it to blossom to their own creation. Mm hmm. You've created a playbook before, Michelle, right? Before the, the the unusual suspects jam. Do you feel like the process for that was was different? No, I don't necessarily think it was. 
For those who are unfamiliar, I created the Samat, which you can find on the official website. It is a bloodbender type character, essence bender. I think the biggest thing for me when I create playbooks or add-ons and stuff is I, I need to be inspired. I need to have something that I'm like, man, I can't wait to play that. But also I want to build in a flexibility to it. I think that's probably the hardest thing is building that flexibility into the playbook for different play styles or different ways of expressing. I don't want to necessarily box in a particular fictional bake, so to speak. Yeah. Into different aspects. And I would say that's probably the longest thing that takes me like the essence jumper i'm pretty much finished with it but i want to make sure that the narrative aspects of the playbook are written correctly or can give the most freedom yet structure for you to create your own fiction all right and so for those unfamiliar the unusual suspects jam is our itch.io jam being run by our very own dissonance here you can you can view all the entries by current estimation there should be over a hundred and we have people doing multiple entries. Gosh, I think there's at least one person who, I swear, has like five entries already. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I, they need to stop. <laughs> um, I, I don't yeah. think they're going to. No. If you've come to the jam late, it weirdly, I looked into it, and it is possible for me as a creator of the jam to add entries after the fact if you just want them to be grouped with the other entries. Mm. So feel free to, to contact me on Twitter at Mothlands about that, or, you know, just look at the info in the episode description. But that said, I'm literally looking forward to your own entry, Michelle. And honestly, I've really enjoyed seeing your own participation in the hack channel recently. I know that you have a lot more duties on the website other than just to cater to us in that particular channel. <laughs> so I really appreciate you, you taking the time to, to coordinate the community a little bit and work with all the folks doing, doing this other creative stuff and kind of coordinate them together. I wouldn't have thought to coordinate unusual suspects with Sam doing the charity zine, unless we had had that big call, yeah. <laughs> that group call to, to kind of work it out, which was great. That, that was such a great call. And it was just one of those things of like, you know what? I, I want to call. Every, everyone needs to be in here and, and discussing this, mm -hmm. getting on the same page. And it was great. And if that sounds like we're just, again, talking about insider stuff, you can become a part of the Discord channel, too, by following the links on our, on our website. Uh, we really would appreciate it. We've already had a few people join the Discord because of the podcast, and they have fit right in so we would love to see more participation in in all of our endeavors i'm really curious whenever this episode comes out what will be next Ooh, who knows probably the charity zine probably the charity zine. <laughs> the charity zine the stream uh well we will be planning the stream of the fistful of darkness with you nichelle mm -hmm. one thing i've been wanting to do as part of the part of the jam but also in general is to uh organize some of like the creative entries the, the creative products of the community focusing on blades in the dark and what have you in, into general categories for people to look through you know if someone uh -huh. wants a more victorian duskfall they can check out this little bundle of supplements so to speak and playbooks and if they want you know 
once again, like a, a 1950s Hollywood horror kind of a style thing, they can check out this little bundle, etc. I might have to, that might be something I work on after this. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Sounds like a cool way to, to wrap things up. You know, afterwards we have like bundles and that can benefit everyone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. More stuff to work out with John. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're coming on our time limit for our conversation today. But it's been very good to talk to you, Nichelle. Thank you for taking your time. Well, thank you very much for having me on here. I, I feel a little honored to be a part of, of this project. And I look forward to see what else gets discussed in future sessions. Oh, the pleasure is all ours, I think. We've been blessed by your presence once again. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I will give more tidings to the ships. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes, thank you for your insights into lore, Blades lore, Forge of the Dark lore, and the Blades Discord community, which we're all a part of. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before we disconnect you for, from this call? I don't think so. I think we've directed people towards the, the Discord as well as the website for the hacked and forged items and streams and podcasts. And guys, this is a wonderful community. We all support each other and bounce creative ideas off of. And I've learned so much from being in the community myself that have enhanced my tables. And I hope to have done the same for any one of you. So if you want to come be a part of it, come see us in the Discord. We'd love to have you. Well, this has been a great episode of Hacked in the Dark, a podcast featuring Forged in the Dark games and their designers. Again, I'm Justin. And I'm Mark. Mark. Yo. Before we leave today, is there anything that you would personally like to plug? I will plug the Twitter, that's at SaveMeGBoo5, and the Itch, where I keep my game uh, about cyberpunk uh, fantasy forged in the dark. And that is markcleveland.itch.io. Thank you. I also want to uh, direct people to the Twitter where you can get updates on all of our games, our actual plays and our podcasts. It's a good way to keep track of us. And uh, if you're interested, I think we just recently started uploading all of our actual plays and podcasts as audio files, I think, to both and, and recordings to YouTube. Mm -hmm. Right. From Twitch and from the podcast itself. So that can be a one-stop shop if you're interested in all of our endeavors. And I'll also plug my own Twitter account where you can follow along on what's been happening with the hashtag unusual suspects jam at Mothlands. New hashtag. Thank you very much. And remember, when it comes to design, we all begin our journeys as hacks in the dark. Mm -hmm.